So the Bank of Canada has raised the interest rate once again. I wasn't surprised. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the latest sales data for the sales and the prices and everything else like that. And we'll get into uh, you know, the talk about the looming recession. This is the Mistaga Life. I'm Sean Jaffrey. All right. So first of all, let's get the numbers out of the way. The uh, not so sexy stuff here. Uh, what's been happening in terms of the number of sales? So sales have slowly been picking up, but may performed a little bit better in terms of sales compared to the month of April. Uh, in April, we, April we had 7,500 sales. In May, we had about 9,000. Uh, it was actually even higher than the May of 2022. In the May of 2022, we had 7,200 sales. And as I mentioned, we had 9,000 sales this past month. Okay. So the sales are up in terms of price. The average price as we stand right now is 1.196, which is slightly up from April, where it was 1.153. Also, compared to the May of 2022, we're very close. Last year in May, we're at 1.212 for average price. And as I mentioned, we're at 1.196 uh, for this past May of 2023. So very, very close. We're almost back to last year's prices. In terms of what's been happening locally in Mississauga, very similar pattern. Uh, there were 832 sales for the month of May. Prior to that, in month of April, there were 646 sales. Uh, compared to last year, last year, May, we had 630 sales. And as I said, we had 832 this past. Uh, in terms of the average price in Mississauga, we're sitting at 1.14 million for the average price in Mississauga, uh, which is up from 1.076 in April. And it is actually very close to where we were last May in 2022. Last May, we were at 1.148. This May, 1.14. We're almost there. Okay. So that's numbers. What else is happening? We're looking at the interest rate hike. So the Bank of Canada made a, well, everybody's calling it a surprise rate hike. I really don't think it was a surprise because of what we saw that was happening with core inflation or was it core inflation or headline inflation where the inflation was going up now. And a large part of that was due to the high interest in the uh, high interest in the mortgages. So it really wasn't a surprise to me, but for a lot of people, it was. It says here that the Bank of Canada made the rate hike based on the policy rate or made the policy rate hike at 0.25% to 4.75. Um, this is already the largest cumulative interest rate hike cycle since the 1980s, and there may be more to come. Markets are pricing in a 100% chance of another rate hike in July. So we've had multiple rate hikes, um, you know, going back as far as the 1990s, but nothing has been so high in such a short period of time. So we're looking at about uh, point four, oh, sorry, 4.5% hike in about 13, 14 months. Um, we've seen, I think the previous to that was maybe sometime in 2017, 2018. It was a 1% hike and it took 15 or 16 months. So yeah, pretty drastic. It's a record we're setting, maybe not in the good sense, but there it is. All right. So while all the major metros saw a solid increase in seasonally adjusted home sales in May, we should expect that this latest hike and talk of additional increase should put a serious damper on demand through the summer. So it's not rocket science, right? Like there is also a very psychological aspect to buying and selling of real estate. Uh, now that people know that Bank of Canada is back at it again, raising interest rates, they may take a pause. They may want to wait and see what happens with the next rate hike and uh, how it kind of affects the overall, you know, the price point in real estate and just the number of sales and all that stuff. So not unrealistic to expect that the demand is not going to be the same going into the summer. Residential investments. So this quarter, the residential investment slumped 
by 15% and was down 20% relative to Q1 of 2022. This represents the steepest contraction since the early 1990s, and it's a strong indicator that an economic slowdown is on deck. Canada has never seen a 10% decline in real in residential investment that hasn't been associated with a recession. So yes, it's an indicator that we're heading into recession, but this is what all policymakers, all these think tanks, all these rating agencies have been talking about for couple of months now, like five to six months, uh, saying that we're going into a recession, definitely 98%, 92% chance rather uh, in Canada, about 88, 90% chance of it in the US later this year, early next year. The consumer came to the rescue in Q1, but how durable is consumer spending in the face of rising debt, uh, rising debt payments and weaker disposable income? New data from CMAC and Equifax shows average mortgage payments now outpace disposable income growth by the widest margin on record, while average HELOC payments have ballooned from $600 a month to $900 a month. Uh, this is kind of related to what we were talking about last week, where we looked at consumer spending at Canadian Tire. We looked at consumer spending at... Um, what was it? Lazy Boy Furniture. And both of those showed that there was a downward trend starting, I think it was like a month or two months ago. Uh, less and less expendable income is now available to purchase items, you know, that Canadian Tire and Lazy Boy Furniture sell. So it makes sense. Payments are going up. Expendable, expendable income is going down. Other indicators this week continue to point likely to a likely recession later this year or in early 2024. Consider the Canadian bond yield curve. I don't pretend to understand what all of this, uh, what how bonds work or how the yields, uh, you know, what indication comes from yields and all that stuff. But it's important because everybody talks about this stuff. The Canadian bond yield curve where 10-year bonds now yield 110 basis points less than two-year equivalents, something we haven't seen since the 1970s. That deeply negative yield curve is a classic recession indicator that points to a likely economic slowdown within a year. All right. So all fingers pointing towards a slowdown. Uh, so prices in, Trub, in Toronto's rental market, according to Treb, uh, have been soaring. So I found this to be quite shocking. Uh, the latest figures revealing a 15% yearly surge in the average rent for a one-bedroom condo in GTA uh, brings the average rental price for a one-bedroom to 24.74. It wasn't until maybe... I mean, we're not look, we're not thinking too far back, maybe three, four years. Uh, you were looking at like maybe a townhouse for about twenty four hundred. Now you're looking at a one bedroom apartment for twenty four hundred dollars a month, with two bedroom apartments on average rising in price by nine point two percent to thirty one sixty two. The renters are feeling the pain, especially for those who have to move out from their current rentals and, you know, go into a new building or a new home uh, and having to pay current market prices. So they're feeling the pain, but so are homeowners. According to CMHC, Canadian households are now more in debt than those in any other G7 country. And the amount they owe is now more than the value of the country's entire economy. Household debt now sits at 107% of Canada's GDP. Three quarters of Canadian household debt is tied to mortgages. And a good chunk of this debt is also in investment properties. Um, less than 10% or it's about 10% of people that have investment properties. Out of that 10%, um, I think it's about 20, 30 that have multiple investment properties. Uh, StatsCan tells us that a profile of Ontario residential real estate investors shows that in 2020 pre-pandemic, only about 0.5% lived outside the province. So most uh, investors that invest in the province are actually residents. So the whole foreign buying thing, you know, that's that's a separate issue, but it's not really a big um, 
concerned when it comes to investments. So these guys live in the province. Most investors were over 55, had an income of $110,000 or less, $110,000 less, and then investment properties. How's that work? I don't know. With an outsized portion of them being immigrant. So yeah, it's a very... Um, you know, it's an immigrant thing to do. It's the metallic from back home. Uh, land is the best investment. Property is the best investment. Not so much stocks, bonds, all that other stuff. Real estate's number one. Uh, speaking of investing in new construction, so new construction had slowed down, but is showing signs of a bit of a comeback. Wouldn't really call it a comeback. It is picking up a little bit right now. So according to Build BILD, sales of new construction single family homes rose 81% annually in April to 1064 up from March which was at 384 new uh construction single family home sales benchmark price for new single family homes declined 1% to 1.77 million condo prices now down 7.3% to 1.1 million so who's buying these pre-construction homes um as you know, but one third of mortgage holders have had their mortgages renewed. We're still waiting for 70% of them to go through the renewals. Um, it's interesting to know, like the sales are up for new construction, but who's really purchased them? Because a lot of the times the money for these things comes from HELOCs and from refinancing and, you know, means like that. So the Bank of Canada reports that mortgage holders are facing payment increases of up to 40% at renewal. One third of mortgages have already seen increases in payments compared to February 2022. By the end of 2026, all mortgage holders will have will have experienced a payment increase. So will the rate of pre-construction investment kind of stay the same uh, once you know, you're know you through, you know, I think another two years and everybody's going to have renewed their mortgages? Very unlikely we're going to keep pace with new construction sales, which doesn't bode well for future housing supply. But that's another topic. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so here's something interesting. CMAC is against the idea of extending amortization periods for new mortgages. The CEO made the comments in an interview saying that while such measures would help reduce monthly mortgage payments, which they have, they would also stoke housing demand and put upwards pressure on prices. So it's interesting. On the one hand, we have you know higher interest rates so we can kind of like bring inflation down. But on the other hand, there's extended amortizations, uh, which what they're doing is they're extending the amortization, but the interest payment or the interest portion of those payments goes up drastically. Um, and so I guess I kind of agree with the, the comments that the CEO has made. So we'll talk about a little bit more in how we kind of end up in this mess. Was it a supply issue? Uh, you know, what's the reason why, you know, are we keeping up when it comes to construction, when it comes to uh, end users being able to purchase homes? Are we keeping up? What's, what's the reason why we had such high uh, real estate prices in the last three to four years? We'll get into that in the next podcast because there's a really interesting article that I read and I will share that with you in detail next time. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe for regular updates, regular episodes, and, and share if you feel like you found value in this. Until next time, take care.